0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January the 11th, 2016. Today we're going to be reading from the big book, and we are on page 21 in the chapter, There is a Solution?, We will begin reading on that first paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Tina S., the 12 traditions, Betty W. The readers will be Cecilia H., Mary B., and Santa H. Now, the reference number for yesterday, which was January 10, 2016, our Sunday special edition, is 8371. That's 8371. It's a great pres- presentation by a panel of four recovered compulsive overeaters entitled Fully Conceding to Our Innermost Selves. The OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through, per- through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tina S. to please read the 12 steps.
1: Thanks, Janet. Tina S., Compulsive Eater uh, Anorexic in Florida. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, my past.
0: And Thank you, Tina S. I will now ask Betty W. to please read the 12 Traditions.
2: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for being there, and thank you for leading. I'm Betty W. from Central New York, and here are the OA-12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, TV, and other public medias of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities.
0: And thank you, Betty W., how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study on, in the big book. On, on page 21 the first reader will be reading two paragraphs and we'll get a, we'll uh, share and focus on that second paragraph I will now ask Cecilia H to please press star 1 to unmute and begin reading thank you Cecilia
3: good morning this is Cecilia H from Pittsburgh I'm a compulsive overeater grateful for my daily reprieve But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. Here is the fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He is seldomly mildly intoxicated. He is always more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature, but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, yet let him drink for a day, and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. He has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment, particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor, but in that respect, he is incredibly dishonest and selfish. He often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes, and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gifts to build up a bright outlook for him, family, his family, and himself, and pulls the structure down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. He is the fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated he ought to sleep the clock around. Yet early the next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. If he can't afford it, he may have liquor concealed all over his house. To be certain, no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative with which to taper off. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. I'm Cecilia H., I'm a compulsive overeater, grateful for my daily reprieve. Um, So I'm a real compulsive overeater. Uh, I recognize the idea of the, the, the hard eater um my disposition while eating resembles my normal nature but little i'm a sugar addict and when i eat sugar i become extremely irritable and depressed you can't get near me i, I yell at people my moods go up and down and i know that's my problem and it's been my problem for a really long time uh, i recognize also the uh, idea of hiding food all over the house. I remember long ago when I was first married, I kept Oreos hidden in the hope chest with the sweaters so that when my husband went to work, I could get them out and eat them without anybody knowing about it. Um, You know, going to bed intoxicated by food and waking up the next morning needing more food. I recognize all of these things, and I know that I'm a real compulsive overeater. And as far as the um, the morphine and the sedatives. I've been to the doctor. I've had the the pep pills, you know, the things to make me stop eating, but there's nothing that can make me stop eating. I can't make it without food except for this program. And that's why um today, which is my birthday, I'm here reading and giving service to start my day off instead of thinking about where I'm going to go to eat and what I'm going to eat today to celebrate. Celebrating for me now means working my program, working the steps, um and and turning everything over to my higher power. Thank you. I pass.
0: And thank you so much, Cecilia. Happy birthday! What a gift to be here. Okay, who would like to comment for approximately three minutes on paragraph two? That's Carol G. Carol G. I think Carol H. I heard Carol G. And whomever.
4: Reva P. P. I heard Larry Phyllis H. I heard, Phyllis Phyllis H.
0: K. Mm-hmm. I heard Melissa C. I heard Reva P. I heard Sarah, Sarah W. Sarah C. And I heard Sarah W. We're going to go with those. Kim G. Five, and then we'll start with Kim on the next. Two. Okay, Carol G. You're up.
5: Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Vision for you. Good morning, Janice. It's Carol G. Recovered, uh, thankfully. Grateful. Compulsive ovary yeah once I start to drink um this is the part of the book where I found a name for my inner split. Uh, I live in conflict with myself before I eat and after I eat, and focusing on what a mess my life looked like around me was actually a red herring for me for a long time did me a disservice because the mess is inside me, and I had to have a look at my physical craving what was going on there inside my body and you see when i get when I get drunk on food, I blast. I just blast information and energy all over people. I vomit pain on people and misery on their lives. And I binge on life and then I restrict life. But actually, I'm worse when I'm sober. Um, That's because of my restless, irritable, discontented spirit. I have separation anxiety from my substance. I have to have it. Dr. Jekyll is the part of me who loves tidiness, creativity, is intelligent, likes had a bright future, Mr. Hyde inside of me is the one that tears it all down, spends all the money, wrecks my relationships, blew my health. And so it dominated me. It eats it, it through me. And it was a great visual for me in this part of the work to just turn all that into an experience because it really brought another dimension to that term that we used, which is... Um, I'm overwhelmed, food was my master. Oh my goodness, food was my master. But we're in There is a solution. Um, And we're in step one. And I don't go looking for hope in this step. I just got to look at the hopelessness. I have to look at the mess I'm in on the inside. Because my body craving and my mental twist, everything that I'm doing on the inside projects outwards. And I just spend all my energy keeping up appearances, trying to impress everybody, even sponsors. I have to tell it like it is, abstinence hurts, I'm in pain, I can't do it, it's too hard and then my sponsor can say, sounds like you're out of power and I can go, oh thank goodness. So now I can stop feeding Mr. Hyde, cutting off, don't give him his substance, don't give him his portion. because eating for me is a relief, I'm a relief seeker, I seek highs in food, I seek highs in ideas, in fact recovery for me begins when the meeting ends I get recovery, I get some relief when I come to the meeting. I take the energy and the power that you've given me and I invest that in the rest of the day. I invest it in a new portion, something spiritual. I do some work in this book and I'm great. I'm blessed by the grace of the higher power that I'm not split into two again. Thank you, OA, and thank you, Vision, for you. I pass. Thank you,
0: thank Carol. You, Carol. Okay, Larry Kay, it's your turn. press
6: star one to unmute Larry thanks Janice <laughs> this is Larry Kay recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago um, <clears throat> you know, when reading this the um, and examining you know some of these these common defects of character you know it talks about uh, you know dishonesty and selfishness and, and that was certainly me and um, you know um, the, you know, no amount of, of good intention was going to rid me of these, some of these core defects of character. Um, when I, when I was drunk on food, you know, I act a, cer- a certain way, you know, the food was my solution to my problem. It, it gave me that sense of ease and comfort. It it numbed me out from all feeling. And then um, my behavior would follow my prevailing thinking. And that's, that's what happens with us human beings so you know, as if 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 we don't find a way to be rid of these 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 character flaws, like you know dishonesty and selfishness, two of, of you know the core ones for me, um, nothing's going to change in my life. And if nothing changes in my life, nothing changes. And so I continue to go and behave the way we see described here. And so I would continue to uh, to tear up the world around me. I would I would continue to. Uh, treat people poorly, as much as I intended not to do that, I would continue to do that because what resided within me was, uh, was these, these character, these character flaws, and I needed to be rid of them. Um, You know, the food again was not, did not create the character flaw. The food didn't create the character flaw. The food was the numbing agent that allowed me to just kind of cope with life and, and not feel, you know, so um, what I read in this paragraph today is just that um, I needed a solution to be rid of the character flaw, at least to have it mitigated, you know, lessened. You know, it maybe it's not completely removed because I'm, I'm human. I'm a human being. I'll always have some degree of character flaws, right? But, but you know, generally speaking today, by the grace of God, what happened is, is I don't have to be the Jekyll and Hyde today. Not because my intentions are better. I never wanted to be the Jekyll and Hyde. I never wanted you to to feel scared to be around me, walking on eggshells. I didn't want that. But I couldn't help myself. Couldn't help myself. And so what happened is these steps, just wrapping up, these steps um, enabled me to have a spiritual awakening. So I don't need to be the Jekyll and Hyde anymore. I don't need to be that person anymore. The steps did that for me, and I was brought into alignment with a with a higher power of my own understanding and all manner of living changes. All manner of living changes. Thanks, Janice, for your service. With that, I'll pass.
0: And thank you, Larry K.
7: Okay, Reba P., it is your turn.
8: Good morning, this is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I am so grateful to be back. I was away on a cruise with no access to phone. Um, this paragraph is a huge remember when for me. This is me in my disease, the Jekyll and Hyde, because I thought I was being the professional, I was being calm, cool, and collected um, during the day, mostly. Um, And I was also very controlling with the food, um, counting calories. Um, And then as soon as I came home and shut the door to my apartment, I was crazy riva, binging from the moment I walked in till I fell asleep with my clothes on binging thousands and thousands of calories um, and then abusing laxatives to get rid of it. Um, And um, that was my biggest secret, that I was this great professional, um, but nobody knew. And I thought that, you know, I thought nobody knew. Um, And um, no matter what things changed on the outside, I was the same person while I was picking up my binge foods and I was that tornado roaring my way through the lives of others and for me, you know, it just got worse and worse and I would almost build momentum just like a tornado as I um, got rolling on all my character defects. Like it just fed into it Um, and it was a huge mess and I was just away for a week with limited access to internet and no access to phone And, you know, recovery works the opposite way, too, because now I'm not one person over here and one person in that situation and one person in the day and a different person at night. I'm the same person. So I go on a cruise and I eat the same way. Um, And I had recorded meetings and I went to Friends of Bill W. and... uh, Like It's so lovely to just be the same person, whether I'm with people in program or not program. Um, And never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I could be that person. And I guess I need to remember it happens to me as a result of working the steps because I tried to be that person um, and I never could. With that, I passed.
0: And thank you, Reva P. Um, Melissa
4: C., it is your turn. Hi, good morning, Janet. It's Melissa, C recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And um, I didn't think I was on the lineup. I thought you didn't get me this time, but I'm glad that I am. Um, You know, I am that uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and I go from, um, you know, I have gone from being extremely social, and people would define me as outgoing and friendly, and Um, you know, like a social butterfly, and yet um, once I added the food, you know, once I picked up, um, I morphed so quickly into that other person that um, wants to just be alone. And, you know, as my disease progressed, um, you know, I used to be able to fit um, binging into my life, and then um, binging became my life, and then I had no life because um, my need to be alone with the food superseded everything. And so here I, you know, went from someone who had the capacity in moments to be social and friendly to someone that just created scenarios where I could be left all alone with the food. And, you know, I I really recall a time that I had um, been working my program at one point, um, I, you know, I wasn't in a recovered state. Uh, I was abstinent, and um, and I was, like, hanging on by my fingernails. And and then it snowed, and it was a snow day. And, like, not a cloud on the horizon, I picked up, and by the end of the day, I hated everybody. I was um, locking myself in my bedroom instead of enjoying a day home with my kids. Um, and that's what the food that's the havoc it creates in my life. Um, you know, I the problem for me has been I used to forget that, that that's what the food did. And so I was looking to experience um, what I thought was fun and joy from the food, but the food never gives the fun and joy. It always brings me to that place of alienation, isolation, um, and anger. And um, I'm just so grateful today to in a recovered state, and I know the truth about
9: my
0: children, and uh, thank you with that. I'll pass. And thank you, um, Melissa C. Sarah W., it is your turn.
10: Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service. Good morning, Vision to you. Sarah W., very grateful recovered compulsive reader. I wanted to focus in on where it says um, he has a positive genius for getting tied at exactly the wrong moment particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement must be kept. And I was thinking about, uh, I think it was two and a half years ago or so, I had asked a question about self-sabotage and that still comes up for me, um, that it's fear regarding uh, different um, activities that I might do or um, different events, series of events that may be happening that always brought me back to the food always because I was um, so anxiety ridden with having to face the fact that I would either fail or I would succeed even, that I would uh, use. And I also wanted to talk about uh, the uh, page 22 where it says, um, as matters grew worse, he begins to use combinations of high-powered sedatives and liquor. You know, my eating started also when I was very, very young, but I switched up, you know, I went to alcohol, to drugs, Uh, then I went back to the food, I always had the food kind of, you know, in the background or utilizing it, and I think it's my primary, but in all honesty, I used whatever I could to numb out, because I really didn't want to face life on life's terms, it was so very painful for me, and almost to the point where I just really didn't want to live. Uh, you know, in this world, I just didn't feel I belonged. I didn't feel like um, I could participate. Um, I didn't feel like I wanted to participate. I really felt so, um, such self-loathing. And today, you know, I'm not that person. I'm so grateful for that. I am definitely, I still have defects of character that come out. I still, at times, behave in ways that I don't feel uh, are appropriate, and I have to make amends, but I don't have the self-loathing. What I see is that, you know, I'm, I'm as somebody on the line always says, I'm human. I am human, and I am never going to be on, be beyond human, and as somebody that is, I, I really look to says, you know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience, and I do believe that's true, and with that, I pass. Thank you for your service, Janet.
0: Yes, and thank you, Sarah W and everybody that's keeping to the time. Okay. We have to begin the next group, Kim G, and then is there anyone else that would before we go on?
11: This is Bella, Bella can F. I share?
0: We have Bella.
11: Tina S.
0: I'm sorry, I didn't get anybody.
11: Phyllis
2: H. Gina S. Leah M.
0: Phyllis, H., Tina, and Leah. Let's go with those five for now. Okay, Kim G., you're first, and then Bella.
12: Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive over here from South Jersey. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of, of I went to, to speak at a meeting and at, that's not in my area, and somebody was getting a, a 30-day coin. And the sponsor was telling you know what a wonderful sponsee she was and that you know she's doing all her tools and committing her food and making her phone calls. And the girl meekly got up and took the coin and said, You know, I'm almost embarrassed to take this. I've been in OA for ten years. I have so many of these thirty day coins and I've never gotten a sixty day coin. You know, why is that? You know, we have this twofold illness, an allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. When we get abstinent And we're two, three weeks out and that allergy isn't being triggered. There's freedom in that. There's a freedom in not having the allergy triggered. We're sleeping a little bit better. Our stomach's not as distressed. Maybe our mind's getting a little bit, you know, clearer. Well, why can't I make it to 60 days? Why can't I get comfortable abstinent? That's my real problem. Why does he get drunk all over again if he's gotten sober? You know, for me, it says, you know, abstinence makes you feel better? Yeah. It makes me feel anger better. It makes me feel depression better. It makes me feel anxiety better. Life is so loud. And the only way I know how to quiet that is to pick up the food. So is my real problem the allergy, which is a bad problem, or is my real problem when I'm abstinent, I can't get comfortable? You know, we talk about abstinence. We're refraining from those things that create that allergy. There are things that I abstain from. For example, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink caffeine. I get really bad migraines when I have caffeine. But it's not a part of my abstinence because I don't have any mental obsession. I understand if I drink caffeine, the consequences of migraine, I have sanity around that, therefore I don't drink caffeine. But when it comes to my binge foods, when I pick them up, I can't stop. And when I stop, I can't get comfortable unless I have them again. So if food was really my problem, then abstinence would be the solution. With Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, what happens when he's abstinent? He pulls, he pulls the world down on, on him. So my problem isn't when I open up the bag of Doritos. I'm a very good compulsive overeater. No one needs to teach me to be a better compulsive overeater. My problem is what is when the what happens when the Dorito bag is empty? What do I do when I'm not eating? And that is why I need Overeaters Anonymous. That is why I need the 12 steps, and that's why I need a connection with a higher power. Because once again, then comes the day when he simply cannot make it, and he gets drunk all over again. And with that, I pass.
0: And thank you, Kim G. Bella, Bella, you're up. Your turn.
7: Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody, on the line. Dishonest and selfish. Wow. It's, for me, a red light. Yes, before the program, if you would tell me that I am dishonest and selfish, I would say, no, not at all. I am a very honest person, and I am completely not selfish, not selfish at all. But, you know, I was connected to the food, and the food was the only thing that, you know, didn't blame me and didn't judge judge me, and I was only friends with the food, with other people, Yes, I was very much selfish. Yes, I was very much dishonest. I wanted everybody should think and behave exactly like me. Yes, I wanted everybody should talk and should believe exactly in what I believe. I was expecting things from people that they didn't even know. That this is my expectations. I was expecting from people things that really they cannot do it. And I was judging and blaming. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now that I am in the program, I am doing the steps, I am living the steps. Yes, you know, I am human and I have my character defect. And thank you, God, that now that I am connected to a loving power, to an accepting power. I am not afraid anymore to look at myself, not to look at others. I am not responsible for other people. I am not afraid anymore to look at myself. And yes, I have my character defect, That thank you, God, I have the opportunity to learn, to learn how to deal and how to live in peace with myself, and to work on those character defects. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass.
0: And thank you, Bella G. Phyllis H., it is your turn.
7: Thank you. Um,
13: can you hear me? I can. Uh, thank you so much for your service. I appreciate you. um dedication to this program and to everyone that's here. Um, this is my first time speaking, and... I'm really grateful that the requirement is uh, you know desire to stop eating compulsively um, and that there are no requirements for no time requirements because as I heard said earlier um, you know there is no way that I can um maintain abstinence um by a food plan alone, you know that the steps are definitely um where the recovery lies, you know, in the, in the, um, plan for living, you know, in that plan for living. And I just wanted to say that, um, I know that I am a real compulsive overeater as as outlined in this book and that, you know, um, there are, there are no reasons for picking up. It could be a good, it could be a, a happy time. It could be a, a very sad time, but I know who I turn into once I do. And I know that I don't like that person. And I know that, um, you know, that is not the way God intended me to be. And that, um, the reason that, um, you know, I pick up, um, is unknown to me, you know, it could be whatever. And, um, I just know that it's from not working the steps, and I'm so grateful that I am in the process of working the steps and that I, um, you know, can work this this program the way it's intended. And um, I don't like the person that I've become, Mm. and I know that, you know, it's not the person that God intended when I pick up. And um, I am truly grateful to be in this process, and thank you all for being here with me.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing, Phyllis H. Tina, Tina S., it's your turn.
13: Thanks, and it's Tina
1: S., uh, compulsive eater, anorexic from Florida. Wow, some really good stuff, you know. And it says, what about the real alcoholic, you know? He begins to lose all control with liquor consumption once he starts to drink. And, you know, that's uh, my food history, uh, my eating history. And, you know, and I, I liked what somebody else shared early on. By over the years, you know, I think, Food is my primary uh, addiction, uh, but over the years, I have used whatever it took to get the resolve I thought I wanted. Um, and, you know, ultimately, it came down to after giving all those other things up that, you know, I had to really face that, uh, you know, the Four Horsemen and the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And, um, you know, I um, I can remember so many things uh, early on in my life, you know, that, um, you know, where I was at, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, going to nursing school, you know, when, and I thought my problem was what I looked like. So once I thought I looked pretty good, you know, and I was academically pretty good. So, you know, I got accepted to hospital school nursing back in the 70s. And, you know, and I was um, the top student in the class. And that's where my eating started again because I got in there to normal weight, with, which for me dieting was that I just didn't eat. So when I got in school and I didn't have because I'm also I do a lot of exercise stuff when I had to really just buckle down and study and do the deal because, you know, I want to do everything perfectly, you know, I wanted to be that a student that I was, but with that came 30 pounds and so then, uh, you know, I had to quit school. Because I didn't want anybody to see me. I didn't want to get bigger clothes. I didn't want all that. You know, so I made up all these lies. The reason I was quitting school, and you know, and that just carried over into you know later in my life. And um, you know, the, the good news about this is, and I'm so grateful that you know, I knew um, that once I started eating something, I couldn't stop. I knew that a long time ago, but I never had a solution. So the good news for me today is that, you know, in this part of the big book, there is that hope. There is that solution that if I continue this journey through the next, um, what page are we on? 21, next 143 pages, <laughs> that therefore, I will have a transformation. And I will have a psychic change that makes my life different. And I have a God of my understanding that one day at a time, I can live life in life's terms.
14: And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: And thank you, Tina S. Okay, Leia M., it is your turn.
14: Thanks so much, Janice. As matters grow worse, he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Then comes a the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Uh, I relate to that. You know, when I entered OA in 1982, it was very abstinence-focused, so... You know, certainly that was my focus, you know, putting down uh, certain substances that I identified as problematic for myself. However, <laughs> however, you see, when I abstain from my binge foods, when I'm off of them for a while, I feel very, very uncomfortable. I feel deprived. I start feeling impatient. I'm on edge. I feel restless, irritable, discontent, uh, jealous. And of course, those feelings. Uh, begin to build up, and those thoughts crowd my mind, and they get so repetitive and powerful and so loud that eventually I have to shut them up, and the only way I know how to shut them up, because I'm a real compulsive overeater, and the only way I feel like I can get some relief is to eat, Um, you know, and... And, of course, once I pick up that first bite, it tr- triggers a phenomenon of craving, and then I go spiraling downhill uh, into a spree and on and on and on and on. You see, I don't have a rough time compulsively overeating. I compulsively overeat very, 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 very well. I have a rough time living. I have a rough time living. I was always thinking that external conditions were going to be the remedy for me, but external conditions are never the remedy for someone like me who has an internal condition called compulsive overeating. You know, I always always thought if I could uh, rest that satisfaction by managing my life well. You know, thank God for the program of recovery because the program have, of recovery has given me the spiritual tools through these steps that remove those disturbances and allow me to be comfortable so that I don't have to self-destruct by my own hand by taking that first bite under the guise of seeking ease and comfort. So that was my solution offered by the process of these steps because what if I could find a way to live where my mind didn't lock on that sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by eating the food and that process is called recovery and that's what this is all about Implementing the steps to be in recovery. So that's my message of hope to those, you know, who may still be restless, irritable, and discontent, even while abstinent. If you come here filled with restlessness, guilt, shame, remorse, selfishness, self-centeredness, frightened, un, you know, all those things, uh the steps will allow you to have a psychic change, a personality change, which will overcome your compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much.
0: And thank you so much, Leah M. Okay, um, is there anyone else who would like to comment on this paragraph?
11: Hi, this, this is Carol. My, my dad, it's Vasa.
0: Gee, I just heard Vasa. And whom else?
11: Carolyn H.,
0: Carolyn A. Roxanne B. I'm sorry, who B?
9: Roxanne B. Roxanne.
0: Roxanne. Yep. Okay, Roxanne B. Anyone else?
9: Uh, Gail
15: Pace in Tucson.
0: Gail, what's your first initial? P. P, Gail P. Let's go with those four for now. Amy E. And then we'll have Amy E if we have time. Sure. Vasa O, you're up.
11: Sorry, I was unmuting. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. And um, Vasa, oh, grateful, recovered recovery, a compulsive ovida calling from Florida. And yes, I am the real compulsive ovida. Food was my first addiction, and I didn't go into the pills, and I didn't go into the alp I did like my sugar alcohol things. But, you know, again, I didn't get those that often. I just settled with the the ones that I had at home. I do remember my husband making a sugar allure one time, and I told him not to make it anymore. But anyways, I'm just so grateful that uh, I have found a solution to my problem. Yes, when I put the food down, um, I became more uncomfortable because all the character traits, defects were just coming up. I was, uh, you know, uh, I thought once I put the food down, then I'm just going to have a wonderful life, you know. And that was just the beginning, you know. That was not, that was only the beginning. Now I needed to go into step four or five, you know, looking at the character defects, um, the restlessness, the uh, resentment, the selfishness, the dishonesty, jealousy. And the fear and the worries, the anxieties oh my goodness, there was so much stuff coming up. Thank you, God, that I also went to counseling, you know. But I was dealing with it with not going back into the food because I learned that was not the solution to my problem. That's what I used to be the solution to my problems, not to have those feelings or how to deal with life and life problems. All of a sudden, I'm not using the food, my drugs that I called. You know, the sugar that I call my drug, I call it even cocaine, I don't know what they call it, but I, you know, I use it more for comfort. And I knew, I I didn't, I knew the person that I was, and I brought that person wherever I went, you know, when I was into it, you know, with the food. And, and, you know, people walked probably on their eggshells because of my behaviors. And I also walked in acts shows because of other people's behaviors, you know. So um, I like the person that I am today, and it's a physical, emotional, and spiritual, mental, whatever transformation that I've been receiving through my higher power, through the steps, and and that I can identify with people just like me. I'm not alone, you know. And I still have those those character traits. They come up, but I know when I, what I need to do. I need not to go to the food. I need to go to my higher power. I need to go to the 10th step, you know, do my inventory. So I will never be cured till I'm gone, and hopefully when I'm gone, I'll be perfect there. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Yes, thank you, Vasa. Oh, Carolyn H., it is your turn.
9: Thank you so much. You know, I, I would go on months even sometimes a couple of years at a time, being abstinent, and then I'd break out again and could never understand what my problem was. I didn't realize that I was my problem and that I wasn't fully connecting with a higher power. That was my other problem. And I wasn't working the steps. That was my other problem. And I never cracked open the book. I cracked it open, but I couldn't get past Bill's story because I thought it was boring. That was my other problem. So how were these problems going to get fixed? I needed, I needed, I needed something, someone to tell me I was broken and I needed something to show me how to connect with what was truly important. And that was making a spiritual connection. Because prior to the spiritual connection, I'd put the food down, but then I'd pick up other things to be addicted to. And I am now multi-addicted because that's what I did. Because I couldn't stand the voices in my head. Because I couldn't stand life. Because nobody was doing things the way I wanted them done. And why not? Why weren't they following the right way, my way? Because that's what was right. But, you know, God had another plan for me. I still had a lot of learning to do so that I could help people through similar situations. I am as unique to God today as he is to me. And because of that, I realized that each and every one of us has similarity, but no two of us are completely alike in anything, in anything. And it wasn't until I picked up this big book, I started reading these pages, that I could stay stopped, that I followed these steps, that I built a spiritual base with a higher power that is the most unique, incredible, my lover, my best friend, my father, my everything, everything, everything I need that higher power to be. Whatever it was I was searching for, that's what my higher power is for me. And my higher power, whom I choose to call God, is the most incredible, phenomenal experience. And it's only through working these steps, doing this the way it's laid out in this book, that I was able to stay stopped. I am human. I have human moments. I will never be perfect, and with that, I can.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, Carolyn H. Okay, Russann B.
4: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for your service. I am Russann B., recovering in Michigan. And the conversation today about anxiety and um how the alcoholic gets tight in particular situations for some reason is bringing me back to the really early days of my disease. And I don't know exactly when it set in, but I was overweight as a four and five year old. And very early in my elementary school days, my parents were putting locks on the cupboards, And by the time I was in fourth grade, I was dieting with chicken broth and green beans as my primary sustenance. I don't know what was wrong with me. I don't know why I was born this way. But I know that I had such a dis-ease with life. I had such anxiety. I was so overwhelmed by my emotions that I only knew to turn to the food to find relief. I had no other tools. I had a religion that made me feel ashamed and fearful. I didn't have a loving God to turn to. And I suffered in my disease for nearly 50 years. And I could tell you stories beyond any you've heard before. But today we're talking about the fact that there is a solution and I'm so grateful. I don't know why I was born a compulsive overeater. If I wasn't born a compulsive overeater, then I I became one before I had the power of choice over I before I could even reach the kitchen sink, I believe I was eating compulsively. I don't know why that happened, but I am grateful because it's brought me to you and it's brought me to this book and it's introduced me to a way of living that has brought me more peace and joy than i think would be available in any other way thank you for being here today thanks for doing it with me and with that i pass
0: and thank you so much russian okay uh we have about five more minutes left perhaps we can have gail p and amy e one for three and one for two gail p please go ahead oh
15: thank you very much Uh, this is gail p from tucson arizona And the thing that I wanted to focus in on is he begins to use a combination of high-powered sedatives and liquor to quiet his nerves. And um, since I am comparatively new to vision for you, and believe me, I'm coming to believe that this is a real solution for me, too, and has been shared earlier, um, I, too, believe that I was born with this disease. But in my case, liquor is what, the way I like to describe it is that alcohol is what brought me to my knees, brought me to the big book, brought me to a program of recovery. But I did not address the food. And then as I started to address the food, um, I was one of these people focusing on the allergy, not aware of what I was doing, even though I had years in AA, was unaware that I was focusing solely on the food, on the allergy of the body, failing to recognize that I needed also to address this obsession of the mind. I am so grateful to be hearing people talking about this obsession of the mind and the fact that the program and the steps of recovery are the way to quiet that obsession of the mind. And then somebody said something earlier today that also made me, um, that flashed it spoke to me, and that is that not only do i need the steps but i need the fellowship and i have a tendency to get on these phone meetings and just listen and not share and so i decided i just simply have to start learning how to share my reality of where i am today i'm not as advanced as the rest of you and don't feel as if i have a great contribution to make but i do need to become a part of this fellowship uh, if i want to continue on this road to recovery and it excites me very much that someday I too is gonna to, am going to be able to introduce myself as Gail, a recovered compulsive overeater. And with that I'll pass. Thank you.
0: And guaranteed you will. Thank you. Gail T. Thank you. Amy E, okay. You're, it's your turn and that'll be it. Go ahead, Gail.
16: I <clears throat> Hi. Janice with mean,
0: Amy. Can you hear Amy, me? Amy, 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 sure. Go ahead.
16: Thanks, uh, Amy, E, Recovered uh, Compulsive Overeater. Um, unlike a lot of others who shared, I find it really hard to identify in with this because this paragraph because it's not like I was, you know, saying between meals and then, like, my coworkers had to worry, oh, gosh, Amy's going to lunch. <laughs> She's going to come back and say a few choice words to the boss and get in her car and veer out into traffic and cause an accident, Um When I'm compulsively overeating and obsessing about my food, it's sort of like a low-grade fever. And I'm just um, annoying, restless, selfish, and self-centered in this way that um, um, for me to identify in, that Dr. Jacqueline, Mr. Hyde, is the way that I experienced myself. It was sort of what was the world that was going on in my head. The person who started off the new year um, as Uh, Dr. Jekyll saying, you know, coming up with a five-point plan of improvement and how I'm going to eat this way and eat that way and I'm not going to eat this and I'm not going to eat sugar and I'm going to exercise every day and that energy and optimism and positive feeling and then I, um, uh, uh, then comes that day when I have to, I can't stand it anymore and I have to go get my cookies or I have to go get a cake and then it leads to eating the whole thing and then I am Um, experiencing this insanity in my head Um, um, that's where I'm, I'm bringing things crashing down on my head all of my little plans and designs and the ways that I don't show up for myself and the way I sabotage things Um, I used to, when I was in college, never be able to write a term paper without, you know, stocking up on Oreos. And the moment I started compulsively overeating, I just didn't get any work done. Uh, I was too busy chewing and eating. And so hours would go by and I hadn't written a single word for my term paper. It's that kind of stuff, that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde experience of myself and how I was trying to Live life and approach my daily tasks and goals and dreams I kept tearing those dreams down taking that first compulsive bite and then wondering why I wasn't the person that I wanted to be and achieving the things that I had um, Desperately dreamed of and wanted Um, I appreciate this program. I love uh, OA and AA I pass
0: And thank you so much Amy. Okay, I thank you. Thank you to everyone who has shared Please join us for a second, unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will, Mary B., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only, ending with Keep You Until Then. Mary B., star
9: one. Um, Yeah, Mary B.?
17: Hi, Janice, this is Mary B. Um, sorry, this was a bit of a surprise. It's page
0: 150...
17: 164. 164, I'm sorry. Here we are. Yes, I should know that. Okay, Mary B. gratefully recovered from Central California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.